If you brought your Bibles this evening, would you turn, please, to Second uh, Peter, the third chapter? We began some uh, weeks ago on a teaching we're calling "Questions About Healing." Questions about healing. And we're dealing with some questions that people have concerning divine healing, God's will to heal, and just a number of things. And uh, one reason we're doing it is this uh, text here in 2 Peter 3 talks about this. 2 Peter 3 and 16. Well, at verse 15, let's back up to it. It says, uh, talks about the long-suffering of our Lord is salvation. Even as our beloved brother Paul, according to the wisdom given to him, has written unto you, as also in all his epistles, speaking in them of these things, in which are some things hard to be understood. Another way of saying that is um, solid meat, word of God. You know, milk is easy to be swallowed. Uh, Steak has to be chewed. And so he was talking about some things that the Lord had given through Paul. They have to be chewed. Which they that are unlearned and unstable rest as they do also the other scriptures unto their own destruction. You therefore, beloved, seeing you know these things before, beware lest you also being led away with the error of the wicked fall from your own steadfastness. But grow in grace. And in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, to him be glory, both now and forever. Amen. The Amplified of verse 16, let's put that up there. It said, uh, the ignorant and unstable twist and misconstrue those writings, those scriptures, to their own utter destruction. Just as they distort and misinterpret the rest of the scriptures. So it was that way then, it's that way today, that people take scriptures and twist them and come to wrong conclusions and uh, preach things and teach things that actually takes people's faith away from them instead of putting faith into them. And it is certainly true in the area of healing. You know... There's a bunch of people worldwide, good people saved, go to church, but they got more faith in Job's boils and Paul's thorn than they do in Jesus' stripes. And some folks think that they have scripture for what they believe, and it is scripture that they're talking about and quoting, but the scriptures have been distorted and they've been twisted. And made to say things that the Lord wasn't saying. Say things that actually contradict other scriptures. And that can't be right. How many know all the scriptures agree? Whether you think they do or not, they do. And when you find something that looks like it doesn't agree and contradicts, all you found is something you don't understand. Are you all with me now? You hear these people that think they're so smart talking about, well, you know, that that over there contradicts that over there. And even these gospel writers couldn't even get it straight. And could. You're just showing your ignorance. 
No, it's not a matter that they contradict each other. It's a matter you don't see something. You don't understand something. I don't know at the times in my walk with the Lord these last uh, number of years, I saw something. I thought, well, how can that be? If this is this, then how can that be? And uh, But thank God, know that the word's right. And just take that by faith. And sometimes five years down the road, ten, sometimes twenty years down the road, the Lord opened it up to you and you go, oh, <laughs> Oh, okay. No wonder. Well, certainly that's right. That may, how many understand everything he said is right? It's right. And it all agrees. His word is perfect. Thank you, Lord. So let's touch on some of these, some more of these things that people have been confused about. We, we asked the question, does God make people sick? And we went to scriptures that talk about God smiting this one and God striking this one. And we, we spent a lot of time on it. If you weren't with us, uh, go, go to the Word Supply. Get the materials. Download them for free off the Internet. It's worth the study. If you've got any questions about this, you need to put your nose in this book. Use these things to help you find the scriptures and get it settled once and for all. We looked at Job. We saw, you know, what, what happened with him. What about Job? You know, there's a, a number of people that think they identify with Job and they're sick and they got problems and they say, well, I guess I'm just like poor old Job. Uh, well, glory to God. <laughs> what do you mean glory to God? Job got healed. Yeah. It's amazing how people miss that. Job got healed and got twice what he lost. Uh, you know, uh, some people that, that study some of these things tell us that they, uh, best they can ascertain, that the whole ordeal of Job probably transpired in 9 to 12 months. Well, he had a rough year. But that wasn't his life before that, and it wasn't his life after that, and he didn't perish in his poverty and sickness. He learned some things. He repented. The Bible said in James, you're to learn this about the endurance of Job and about the mercy of the Lord. That's what you're to get out of Job. And yet a lot of people come away and think, well, it's not God's will to heal me. I guess I'm like poor old Job. That is twisting and distorting the scriptures. They don't say that. They don't mean that. And yet that's a conclusion that millions have come to. So we, we looked at that and we talked about that. Let's go to another one uh, this evening. Turn with me to John, the 11th chapter, please. John chapter 11. There are two passages in John that a lot of people stumble over. John 11 and John 9. And so the question we're asking tonight is questions about healing. And this question is, are people sick for the glory of God? <laughs> are people sick for the glory of God? And I know you've been around here, a lot of you, for a long time, and you don't even like the sound of that. But if somebody asks you that, can you prove it to them from the Scriptures? Can you take them through it and show them plainly? Because they can show you Scriptures that seem to say that. Right? Can you, can you explain it to them? Can you help them with it? If not, you're in the right place tonight. Because <laughs> you're going to believe with me, right? And the utterance will come and we'll get it plain and it'll help us and we can help other people as well. But the question is, can people, are people, or are some people 
sick for the glory of God. Look in this uh, 11th chapter of John. And verse 1, it said, Now a certain man was sick named Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary and her sister Martha. It was that Mary which anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Therefore his sister sent unto him and said, Lord, behold, he whom you love is sick. When Jesus heard that, he said, This sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God that the Son of God might be glorified thereby. Now, at face value, that might seem to say that the sickness was going to bring glory to God, but it cannot be by other scriptures that, that are later in the chapter and a number of other things that we're going to see tonight. But this is the question, and you can see why some people think, well, yeah, there it is right there. He was sick for the glory of God. And maybe I'm sick for the glory of God. And the, the issue is, if you think you are or you might be sick for the glory of God, then you're not going to resist it. You're not going to stand against it. You'll yield to it and give it place in your life and make, try to make something good out of it. But if it's not for the, if sickness does not, cannot give God glory, if it's not the work of God, if it's the work of the devil, then you've got every right to resist that. Right. Stand against it. And you can see that that's really what's going on here. Is the enemy is doing everything he can to confuse you so that you give place to something you ought to be standing against. So that you yield to something you ought to be resisting. Two of the most important things you can learn in this life are what to resist and what to yield to. You got a whole lot of people, you know, they're yielding to temptation and resisting the will of God. Running from it. You understand what I'm talking about? They're, they're yielding to poverty and lack. They're yielding to sickness. They're yielding to oppression and, and claiming it somewhere or another God's getting glory out of it. No, you need to know where it's coming from. And you need to know whose work it is. Let us, let us ask a couple of questions immediately. Do you know this story enough to know what happened? Hmm? Skip on down a few verses later. You know Jesus didn't go right away. And Lazarus died. And then he came later. You remember that? And uh, down about verse... Uh, 39, Jesus said, take ye away the stone. Martha, the sister of him that was dead, said, Lord, by this time he stinks. He's been dead for four days. And Jesus said to her, said I not unto you that if you would believe, you should see the glory of God? Have they seen the glory of God yet? No. No. Did they see the glory of God in Lazarus sick and suffering and getting worse and dying? Have they seen the glory of God in all of them grieving these days with their brother in the tomb there? What did Jesus say? He said, I told you, if, somebody say if, if you would believe, 
You should see. You're going to see. So they hadn't seen the glory of God yet. But are they about to? Yes, sir. <laughs> yes they're about to. They uh, obeyed the word of Jesus. They rolled that stone away. He looked up and started praying to the Father. And then he looked down and said, Lazarus, come out of there. And out he comes. Hey, did they see the glory of God? Was God glorified in the sickness, in the death, in the resurrection, and the restoration? Now, we're going to keep coming back to this over and over again. If you look at other translations of that first few verses where it says, Jesus said, this sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God. The the understanding is it's not going to result in death in the end. It's going to result and wind up in the glory of God. Is that what happened? Can you see this? And yet people seize upon what they don't understand and go, well, no, you know, the Lord said the sickness was going to glorify the Lord. No, uh-uh. Sickness never has, never can glorify God. It can be an occasion for God to be glorified. We're going to go into more detail about that. Sickness can be an occasion for God to get glory. But the sickness itself cannot glorify God. Cannot. Everybody awake? Are you, are you here this evening? I'm going to give you more scripture. Don't, don't be concerned. We're going to go through this and, and be thorough. Do you want to be thorough? You want to get established in the word? Get this in your mind and then see if the scriptures don't verify it. Don't confirm it. Don't, don't say the same thing. First of all, you have to ascertain, is sickness a work of God? Or is it a work of the devil? The works of God glorify God. The works of the devil glorify the devil. Jesus said the thief comes not unless he comes to steal and to kill and destroy. I mean, looking at this that day. Did something take away this family's joy? You know, these sisters and their brother Lazarus, did it take away their brother and took away? Is it stealing his health and stealing his life? Is that the work of the Lord? Isn't that the work of the destroyer? Yes. Yes. Jesus said, I am come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. He is the author of life, not death. The Lord's works are redemption, healing, restoration, life, provision, blessing, peace, joy. Is it true? And when these happen and these are manifested, he gets glory. The devil's works are temptation. He works in sin. He works in sickness. He works in death. We're going, to, we're going to get into some things about death tonight that, that, some, that the church world has twisted and distorted. Death is not of God. Death is not a blessing. In fact, death is the enemy 
of God. I'm quoting scripture. And again, people talk about death, you know, glorifying God in death. The death itself cannot glorify God. The way you die can glorify God. These things present an occasion for God to be glorified, but the thing itself can never glorify God. You understand this already. Can sin ever glorify God? Could it ever? Can sin glorify God? Absolutely. No way. No how. Never. Never can sin glorify God. But has God been glorified when people were in the dregs of sin and got saved? And he brought them out. And he delivered them and set them free. So the sin and their situation, their condition was the occasion for God to be glorified. But was it glorified in the sin? Or in their salvation. So sickness can be an occasion for God to be glorified. But was God glorified in the sickness or in the healing? In the healing. Because healing is his work. Sickness is not his work. Let's go back to the book of Luke. And remind ourselves of some things. Luke 5. You know, sometimes even though you you might agree with something in your mind, your spirit still needs to be fed it. Hmm? Because faith is not mental knowledge. Just because you know something, just because you've heard something and logged it in your mental library, that's not faith. That's just mental assent. And uh, you, you might wonder, you, you say, well, you, you said it already, Brother Keith. Why do you want to say it again another 20 times and another 25 ways? Because your spirit needs it. Yeah. I said your spirit needs it. Yeah. And, and, and every word and every verse keeps pounding it in there. It keeps put, put it right in your spirit. And you know what it'll do? It'll knock unbelief right out of you. Yeah. It'll knock wavering and wondering and vacillating out of you. Until nothing is left but full persuasion. And you know that you know what you believe. And that kind of faith gets results. That kind of faith can receive from God. In Luke chapter 5. Luke chapter 5. Verse 18 there was men who brought in a bed, a man that was taken with the palsy. And they couldn't get him in, so they tore off the roof. And when Jesus saw their sins, verse 20, he said, man, your sins are, excuse me, he saw their faith. And he said, man, your sins are forgiven you. Scribes and the Pharisees begin to reason. They said, who is this that speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? But when Jesus perceived their thoughts, he answering and said to them, what reason you in your hearts? Whether is easier, which one is easier to say your sins be forgiven you? Or to say, rise up and walk. But that you may know that the Son of Man has power upon earth to forgive sins. He said to the sick of the palsy, I say to you, arise and take up your couch and go to your house. And immediately he rose up before him and he took up that whereon he lay and he parted to his own house. Doing what? Doing what? Glorifying God. And they were all amazed. And they did what? What did they do? They glorified God and they were filled with fear and amazement. They said, we have seen some strange stuff today. (laughs) 
when do we see the glorifying God? When the man is in the paralysis? Huh? In his, when did we see the glory of God? No, it's, it's very obvious. You see the glory of God, not in the paralysis, but when the man was healed. The other people are not glorifying God because they saw a paralyzed man. Did you hear me? No, they're glorifying God when they see the paralyzed man got up. Uh, one fellow, uh, one minister many years ago, actually turn of the century, they were having some special things happening in their services and it was new to them. And some people were falling under the power. They hadn't seen that before. And so uh, he's preaching and the anointing fell. And this person on the front row fell out in the, in the floor. Well, it scared a lot of people. You know, the doctors came and they're holding there and checking their pulse and waving them. And they said, well, they seem to be okay. And, and the people looked at the preacher and they said, well, uh, uh, what is this? If it's not physical, is it the devil? Is it God? They said, what is it? And this is the Lord gave him some wisdom. Of course, he's, it's new to him too. He said, well, whoever did it will get the glory when he comes out. <laughs> and in just a few moments, the fellow raised his hand and said, oh, praise Jesus. Praise the Lord. He said, it's God. <laughs> And it really is just that simple. Whoever did it gets the glory. The, it's not the works of God that glorify the devil. And it's not the works of the devil that glorify God. The works of the devil glorify the devil. And the works of God glorify God. God's not glorified in sickness. He's glorified in healing. He's not glorified in sin. He's glorified in salvation. He's not glorified in depression, in heaviness. He's glorified in joy. He's not glorified in lack and want. He's glorified in provision and abundance and blessing. Is it true? Jesus said, this is why I came. So you would have life and have it more abundantly. The Amplified says, to the full until it overflows. Life to the full. Until it overflows. That's the work of God. And when that's manifest in your life. God gets the glory. Go to, to Luke 7. Just over a page or two. Luke 7. 11. It came to pass the day after that Jesus went into a city called Nain. Many of his disciples went with him and much people. When he was come near to the gate of the city. Behold there was a dead man carried out. The only son of his mother. She was a widow. Much people of the city was with her. When the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her and said to her, Weep not. And he came and touched the bier. And they that bare him stood still. And he said, Young man, I say to you, Arise. And he that was dead sat up and began to speak. That'd get your attention, wouldn't it? And he delivered him to his mother. And there came a fear on all. And they what? And they what? They glorified God and they said, a great prophet is risen up among us and God has visited his people. Now, when did they say this? When they saw the young man had died? Huh? Or when they saw him raised? Which one? I know this sounds simple, but there are millions confused about this. Millions are saying that works of destruction and stealing and killing are glorifying God. 
And it is not true. Death does not glorify God. Sickness does not glorify God. Can't. Poverty, sin, cannot, never has, never will glorify God. They can be an occasion for God to be glorified when you're delivered out of it. Right? But it was the resur- it was the being raised from the dead that gave God glory, not the boy being dead. Skip on over to uh, Acts 4. Well, no, I'm moving too fast. Luke 13. You mind taking a couple extra of these tonight and just it stirs your faith up. Luke 13, 11. There was a woman that had a spirit of infirmity, 18 years, and was bowed together and could in no wise lift up herself. And when Jesus saw her, he called her to him and said to her, Woman, you are loosed from your infirmity. Now, you know, when he says this to her, she still stooped over. You remember we were talking earlier, mentioning about when you receive, you pray about healing, you receive what? Healing power. And then that healing power works in you to affect the change that shows up, the the display or the manifestation of the healing. And so here he tells her, not you're going to be, you are loosed from your infirmity. And at that moment, she's still been over like she has been for the past 18 years. Then after that, he lays hands on her. And immediately, what happened? Read it, verse 13, what happened? She was made straight. And what? Now not a word is said about her glorifying God. 18 years being stooped over. That's right. Hmm? Did that glorify God? Her being stooped over for 18. No. People didn't see her coming down the street. And she's all stooped over. And went glory to God. Look at her. Glory to God. Everybody knows. People don't think like that. Except when they get to church. <laughs> yeah. Huh? They go, oh, you know, maybe it's glorifying God somewhere. We just don't understand it. No, no, no. Sickness, deformity, disease, destruction cannot, never will glorify God. It cannot. It's not His works. So it cannot glorify Him. Those 18 years she stooped over did not glorify God. Now, don't misunderstand me. Uh, Virtually every one of us has had problems in our body that wasn't exactly what was supposed to be going on or disease. Don't, don't feel condemned if you've got a problem in your body. The point is, just don't accept it. Right. Don't, don't think that maybe God has put that on you or God is working that in you. Stand against it. Right. Know that you've got every right to resist it. Yeah. Hmm? Right. And what the Bible says, resist the devil. He will. He'll leave. So no, don't feel bad. You know, uh, every one of us have had things that we've had to believe God about. And, you know, we're living in in the world where the curse is. And uh, a lot of things have affected the uh, the body, the atmosphere, the environment, every other thing. I mean, it ta- it's just the grace of God we hadn't had more problems than we have had. Yeah. Right? But the, pro- the big problem we're talking about tonight is millions of Christians... Uh, imagining and, and coming to believe that this is the will of God, that I've got this problem in my body. If you really believed that, you ought never go to the doctor. That's right. 
to try to get rid of it. Hmm? See, people are inconsistent. They'll say, they're a preacher, and then we'll talk about it. Well, you know, maybe God is uh, doing something in your life and, and for your family through this disease. But then they'll go and spend money and, and have procedures and take medicine, and trying to get out of what they said was the will of God. No, the thing is, it's right to go to the doctor and try to get them help you to fight it. It's right to fight it with every tool you got. It's not God. It's not the will of God. It's not the work of God. Fight it. Fight it with medicine. Fight it with doctors. Fight it with nutrition. Most of all, fight it with faith. Fight the good fight of faith. But see, there's contradiction here. It's either right to, to resist it or it's right to yield to it. Both of them can't be right. He, he said, uh, the scripture said he laid his hands on her. And immediately what happened? What happened? She was made straight. Who made her straight? Who got the glory? <laughs> Can you see it? Whoever did it got the glory. Who was getting glory for 18 years when she was stooped over and couldn't straighten up and couldn't live a normal life? Was God getting glory through all that? No, no. It was an occasion for God to be glorified, but the sickness, the being stooped over itself, did not glorify God. I think you ought to look at another one. Hmm? Uh, Acts 4. The question is, can people be sick for the glory of God? Our opinions are not enough to answer the question. We must answer it with Scripture. Acts 4. Acts 4 is uh, continuing the story of the man who was healed in Acts 3, who was laid daily at the gate called Beautiful. He was, uh, if you back up to 3... it said they, they had laid him at the gate and he was uh, lame from his mother's womb. So he was lame from birth and had never been able to walk. And you remember they walked by and said, uh, look on us and, and said, such as I have, give I thee in the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. And he jumped up, never took a step since he was born. And he's a grown man. They laid him there every day so he could beg. And he jumped up and started leaping. He didn't even have to learn how to walk, I guess. He'd never taken a step. He's leaping and walking and running. It got everybody's attention all over town. (laughs) And the leaders wanted to lock up Peter and John for, for, for this happening. Now that just don't make sense, does it? But that's the enemy. And uh, they commanded them in, in the fourth chapter. They commanded them not to preach or teach anymore in that name Jesus. <laughs> you can sure see the devil behind that, can't you? But verse 19, 419. Peter and John answered and said to them, Whether it's right in the sight of God to hearken to you more than to God, you judge. For we cannot bespeak the things which we have seen and heard. And when they further threatened them, they let them go, finding nothing, 
how they might punish them because of the people. Because of what? Keep reading. Because what? Because all men glorified God for that which was done. For the man was above 40 years old in whom this miracle of healing was showed. Was the man glorifying God those 40 years that he was lame from his mother's womb? Did people just walk by and see him lame and say, glory to God, glory to God? No, no. It was when he was amazingly healed, right? And then everybody in town is glorifying God. The works of God glorify God. So when Jesus said, you know, concerning Lazarus, this sickness is not going to wind up. It's not going to end up, result in just death. But the end of it is going to be the glory of God. When did we see the glory of God? Not when he got sick. Not when he died. Not when they're crying and grieving out there by the tomb. But when he said, Lazarus, come out of there. (laughs) Then we see the glory of God in him being raised up from the dead and healed. Because if he hadn't been healed, I guess he would have died again from whatever killed him the first time. Next thing we know, he's sitting up there having a meal with Jesus. Don't you know they were thanking God and giving glory to God? Giving glory to God. Do you want God to be glorified in you? Well, then the works of God are what's going to glorify God. Look in the ninth chapter of John. This one comes up as well. John 9, John 9 and 1, as Jesus passed by, he saw a man which was blind from his birth. And his disciples asked him, saying, Master, who did sin, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Now, they didn't ask him if sin was involved. They assumed it was. They just want to know which one. Was it his parents' sin that caused him to be born like this? Or was it his sin? Apparently they had some doctrine of sin before you were born. (laughs) But what did Jesus say? Jesus said neither one. Neither has this man sinned. Nor his parents. Now let's just stop right there. Are we to understand that these three adults have gone their whole life and never sinned? No. 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 What's he saying? That's not why he was born blind. Right. Sin, you know, in our series on Sundays, we've been talking about walking in the light. Do you remember what sin is? Sin is violation of light. Now... Uh, the Bible talks about all men have sinned in Romans and then death has passed upon all men. Since Adam, death is in the world and the curse is in the earth because of sin. But the, And you can have some things happen in your life because sin and curse is in the earth and that doesn't necessarily mean that you violated light. So they were right that sin was connected to it, 
But they were wrong in assuming it was personal sin. Does that make sense, friends? That either the, the man's parents or he himself had sinned and caused this to happen. Keep reading. He said, neither has this man sinned, nor his uh, parents, but what? That the works of God should be made manifest in him. Now, people think that this justifies them believing that sickness, in this case blindness, birth defects, deformities, diseases, whatever, are the work of God because of a phrase like this. Read the very next verse, though. Read the very next verse. What did he say? I must work the works of him that sent me. You see it again, don't you? Are we looking at the works of God in the man's blindness? Hmm? No, he says, I must work the works. So has he worked the works yet? No. no. Are we about to see the works of God? Yes. Yeah. You see, this should be obvious to us, but the devil is, he's the master confuser. Yeah. And it's, you know, when people go to school and get educated beyond their intelligence and reason. And, <laughs> and they twist scriptures and make them say things that the Lord never said. And come up with conclusions that are just not there. It's because of darkness. Not understanding. You know. Uh, it's real simple. Again this coincides. With our, our Sunday series. The entrance of his word. Does what? It gives light. It gives light. When you hear somebody teaching something. that's supposed to be Bible. And it puts out your light. It throws water on your joy. It puts your fire out. <laughs> that ain't God. And that's not what he was saying in those scriptures. See, you see people that, you know, folks get excited and they're going to believe for this and they're going to believe for that. And somebody comes and supposedly shares scriptures with them that puts a wet blanket on it. Well, that's people that are distorting the scriptures. They are twisting the scriptures because the entrance of his word, it don't put the light out. It gives you light. It quickens you. It gives you faith. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by his word, his anointed word. And when faith comes, joy is there. We've talked about it before again and again. I mean, when you're in faith, how can you tell? When you're really, you've heard from the Lord, you're believing God, you're in faith. Things are in the works. It excites you. And when somebody comes along and quotes some scripture to you, and if you believe them, you lose all your joy and you give up. You say, well, I guess I don't know what I got so excited about. (laughs) That's somebody twisting the scriptures. And it can be very subtle and very cunning because the devil's behind it. Did you know the devil quotes scriptures? Did you know he quoted scriptures to Jesus? You remember that? Is is the devil, when he's quoting those scriptures to Jesus, is he rightly dividing the word? When he quoted it to Jesus, did it bless him and help him? He's trying to get him to do something foolish and ignorant. He's trying to get him. He's twisting the scriptures 
We saw that in our, in our text. That people that are unstable and unlearned. They twist and they wrestle with the scriptures. And they make them say things that the Lord never said. You know you can, you can take pieces of scriptures. And make them say anything you want to say. Did you know that? <laughs> I know of a pastor one time that. Every time uh, somebody would bring him a pie or a cake that he liked, he'd quote, go thou and do likewise. <laughs> he'd take pieces of verse. You can, you can make the scriptures say anything you want to say. You, you know, just like people take uh, uh, people's comments and, and they edit them and splice them. And you can take a piece here and a piece there. You can make people say anything you want them to say. And when you got, you know, 66 books... <laughs> and all these phrases and all these verses, you can take a piece of them and put it with another piece, and you can you can think you made it say that, but no, no, no. The all Scripture has to agree, yes. and when it's right and it's good, the author of the book lives in you. Come on, are you listening now? And he knows what he said, doesn't he? He knows what he meant when he said what he said. And so when you hear a rightly divided word, it bears witness with you. And the one who wrote it says, yeah, on the inside of you. He goes, that's right. That's it. Not so much in an audible voice, but there is a witness. There is a knowing. There is a quickening. Come on, have you, haven't you experienced this before? When you hear something and you know it's right, you may not know how you know. But you get a quickening on the inside. There's an excitement. Sometimes there's a relief to go, yeah, yeah, that's it. That's it. Glory to God. You're happy. You're relieved. That's the living word of the Lord. It brings faith. It brings expectation. It brings joy. And it it really is annoying. And it's worse than that. That you got men and women that are supposed to be preachers, are supposed to be men and women of God, that are preaching and teaching stuff that is absolutely putting the flame out, putting the light out on people. It's just destroying their faith. And folks that don't know any better, they say, well, they use scriptures. They, they quoted scriptures. Well, the devil quotes scriptures. <laughs> and thank God you're not just depending on what anybody decides to come up with out of their head. You got a Bible? You got the author of a book, lives inside you, right? You don't have to know Greek. You don't have to know Hebrew. You don't have to have 20 years of higher education. You got the Holy Ghost inside you. He will let you know what's right. Trust that. And sometimes it seems like people are making a really good argument, but on the inside of you, you just keep thinking, uh-uh, no, no, something's not right now, something's not right. And even though your head seems like, well, they, they got it figured out, but inside you it goes, uh-uh, this is not right. Trust what you get in here. Amen. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Don't lean. Use your understanding, but in the final step, don't trust that and and, and make your decision based on that. Make your decision based on what you get in here. The sense of it. The knowing. That's where the Holy Spirit resides within you. Keep reading verse 4. He said, I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day. The night comes when no man can work. As long as I'm in the world, I am the light of the world. 
So he told him to, you know, go wash in the pool of Siloam. And he did. And when he did, he came, he received his sight. Did they see the glory of God in that? It wasn't in the blindness. It was in the healing. It was in the the deliverance, in the freedom. Uh, Go with me, if you would, over to the first Corinthians. The 15th chapter. Before you read that, I'm just going to quote a few scriptures too. Y'all help me put them up on the screen. You don't have to turn to these. I just want to remind you of these. Sickness is a work of the devil. Hmm? That's not just my idea. The Bible says so. Let me give you, the Bible said in the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word be established. Let me give you four. Don't, don't turn there, you can just jot them down. Job 2.7. Job 2.7 says, Satan went forth from the presence of the Lord. And he smote Job with sore boils from the sole of his foot to his crown. Who did it? Satan. Who did it? Satan. Did God do it? No. Uh-uh. Satan did it. In Psalm 41.8, Psalm 41.8, it says an evil disease, say they, cleaves fast to him and now that he lies, he'll rise up no more. What kind of disease? Well, does God have evil stuff? Listen to the, the Young's literal translation. The same guy that wrote Young's Concordance. His translation, this is literal. A thing of Belial is poured out on him. King James says evil disease. Here the literal is that the disease is a thing of Belial, which is a name for the devil. Also, Luke 13, 16, we just uh, were there reading that. But Luke 13, 16, concerning that woman that had the spirit of infirmity. Jesus said, ought not this woman, being a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan has bound, Lo, these 18 years be loosed from this bond on the Sabbath day. Jesus said, who had bound her up for 18 years? Satan. Now, does God swap up with Satan? And sometimes God binds them up with disease. And sometimes the devil does. No, the Lord does not change. And there is no darkness in him. And there is no evil in him. You want to see God's will? Go back to the garden before sin and before the fall. That's the will of God. You want to see the will of God? Go through the whole book and go to the end of the book. (laughs) Where everything has been restored and there's a new heaven and there's a new earth and there's no more curse and there's no more pain and there's no more sorrow and there's no more crying and there's no more dying. That's the will of God. The way he created it. And when he gets it fixed. All this stuff in between. Is man's sin. And the devil's work. It is not an improvement. On God's creation. It is not an improvement. On God's plan. Can you see this friends? No. He even taught us to pray. Pray thy will be done. On earth how? As it is in heaven. Are people sick and deformed in heaven? No. No. 
God doesn't have two different wills. A will for the earth and a different will for heaven. And obviously the will of God is not being done everywhere and all over the place in the earth. Or he wouldn't tell us to pray that it would be. There's a lot of things happening in the earth that's not the will of God. And it's because of man's sin. To say that the results of sin are the will of God is to say that the sin that brought it on is the will of God. No, certainly not. Uh, Dr. John Alexander Dowie made this statement many years ago, turn of the century. He said, sickness is the foul offspring of its father Satan and its mother sin. And it is. There's nothing good about sickness. Sickness stinks. Sickness is foul. Sickness is the beginning stages of death. Isn't it? You get enough sickness in your body, you're gone. Is, does death please God? No. Is death the will of God? We're going to look at that where you're holding your place right there in 1 Corinthians. But here we had uh, Job 2. We had Psalm 41. We had Luke uh, 13. Jesus said Satan had bound that woman for 18 years. How many believe Jesus knows what he's talking about? It wasn't the Father God. It was the devil. And if the devil was doing it then, who do we think is doing it now? And then finally in Acts 10.38. Acts 10.38. This is a wonderful scripture right here. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power. He went about doing good. And what? Healing all that were what? Oppressed of the devil. For God was with him. Here... Have you read the scriptures enough to know that there were thousands and thousands and thousands of people healed in the ministry of Jesus? Man, there there were days he laid hands on people probably all day long. I mean, there were, the Bible said multitudes came to him and everyone was healed. And the Bible tells us here that every one of those that were healed under his ministry were oppressed of the devil. Jesus called sickness satanic bondage. The Holy Ghost through Peter calls sickness satanic oppression. The psalmist called sickness a thing of the devil, a thing of Belial. In Job it said the devil did it. It's settled for me. How about you? You never see anything that, that tells it or says it, reveals it or says it, that Jesus went anywhere and put sickness on anybody. Do you? Not one time. Every time, what did he do? He ministered healing. Why? Because sickness has never been, never will be the work of God. And since it's not the work of God, it can't glorify God. But healing, (laughs) I mean, even back in Exodus, the Lord said, I am the Lord that heals you. Didn't he say it? Nobody has a right to take that great I am and make him I was or I used to be. The I am will always be the I am and he am the Lord that heals you. He, he forgives all my iniquities. He heals all my diseases. What are we talking about? 
Don't feel bad if you got some symptoms. Don't be condemned. That's just another trick of the devil. All we're saying is you don't have to settle for it. You don't have to accept it. You don't have to lay down with it. It's not from God. It's not the will of God. You should have every, every fiber of your being rise up on the inside and say, I'm resisting this. No, get out of my body, sickness. Get out of my house, disease. No, I resist you in the name of Jesus. And you fight it with everything you got and every tool you got and realize you got a right to live long and prosper. Didn't the Bible say, with long life, I'll satisfy you and show you myself. Well, that means you don't die middle age with a disease then, doesn't it? It means you made it through. <laughs> Did you get those four verses? Is it established for you that sickness is the work of the devil? There's more than that, but that ought to be enough. First Corinthians. Notice this. This is something that you'll hear ministers make mistakes on quite often talking about death. First Corinthians and 16, I reckon it's the, the last chapter here. Did I say 16? I meant 15. 15. 15 and uh, 24, 15, 24 says, Then comes the end, when he shall have delivered up the kingdom of God, even the Father, when he shall have put down all rule and all authority and power, for he must reign till he has put all enemies under his feet. Read verse 26. Read it out loud for me. The last enemy... That shall be destroyed is what? Death. Death. You hear people talking about death as though it were the work of God. You know, God took them in death. And talking about sweetness of death. And death is destruction. Death is decay. The truth is... We were created not to die. We were not supposed to die. And to say that death is somehow the work of God is to go ahead and say what caused it. If there had never been any sin, there would never have been any death. If there had never been any sin, there would never have been any sickness. Before the fall... Adam and Eve never had a bad day. They never even had an off day. That's hard for us to imagine. The, you know, even in its fallen, cursed condition, the earth is beautiful. It's amazing. But it's hard for us to realize we don't even know what it was like in its original splendor. It's messed up. It's actually the same thing that's happening to your body is happening to the planet. Exact same thing. It's getting old and dying. That's why it's groaning. Romans says it's groaning. That's why you have earthquakes. That's why you have uh, hurricanes. And it gets too hot and it gets too cold. And it's off. It's messed up. It's dying. People talk about save the planet. 
You can't. Right. <laughs> now there's no need to see to try to destroy it as quick as you can. No, no profit in that. But no, you, you can't save the the planet. It's dying. God's gonna have to come, and the whole atmosphere is gonna go away. The heavens are gonna roll up like a scroll, and 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 the elements, the very surface and everything, is gonna be melted with fervent heat. People say, so we wonder how the end will come. It's not going to come by all. It's not going to come by nuclear destruction from world powers. It's not going to come from, you know, an ice age or a this age or that age. Something's going to happen to the sun. Something's going to happen to it. And uh, it's, I guess the sun's going to die. It's going to turn black, maybe go supernova. I don't know. Something's going to happen and it's going to flare and everything down here is going to be burned. Whew gone. That's not a theory. That's the Bible. No need for you to be concerned about it if you're a child of God. (laughs) I said if you're a child of God. (laughs) Well that's just your theory preacher. It's not my theory. Have you read the Bible? People act like you know when we it's just such a great mystery when nobody has an idea. It's here. It's right here. It's exactly what's going to happen. Everything that he has ever said has happened exactly like he said it was going to happen. Why do we think that's going to be any different? (laughs) But uh, we we don't know what the earth was like when Adam and Eve saw it for the first time. It was, uh, the, the atmosphere was totally different. Gravity was different. The oxygen levels were way different. Uh, you didn't have to be concerned about sunburn. You didn't have to be concerned about stepping on a thorn. It was absolute. It was never too hot. It was never too cold. It was absolutely perfect. Never too dry. Never too humid. <laughs> the whole planet. Perfect. Perfect. Glory to God. Adam and Eve never had a headache. Never. They didn't know what. They didn't have. If you'd have told them, you know, why my my belly hurts, they'd go hurt. What? What is that? Now they're brilliant, but they they got no concept of this. You you remember what the Lord told them? Don't eat of the fruit of that tree. It was the knowledge of good and what? The difference. They had no knowledge of evil, which is a wonderful thing. The devil told them they needed to know it. But they found out, oh, they'd have been so much better. Never finding out what a heartburn or a headache or or growing old or a thorn or a failure was. All they knew was perfection. They felt amazing (laughs) every millisecond. You and I are going to find out what that's like. I said we are going to find out. Because the trumpet's going to sound and the dead are going to be raised. Hallelujah. And we're going to be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye. And this mortal's going to put on immortal. This corruptible's going to put on incorruptible. And you won't need healing ever again. Because you won't be subject to disease. If you're going to get healed, you best get that now. 
you're not going to need money later on. So if you're going to get your money, you best get that now. Right? Because a lot of these things you're not going to need later on. <laughs> uh, the last enemy that shall be destroyed is death. So death itself does not glorify God. Although God can be glorified in the way one dies. Can he? Let me read some other scriptures to you. Numbers 23.10. Numbers 23.10 says, uh, Who can count the dust of Jacob and number the fourth part of Israel? Let me die the death of the righteous and let my last end be like his. There is a right way to die. And there's a wrong way to die. Let's read about a few examples of people that died right. Because the Lord tarries is coming. Every one of us are going to get to do this. <laughs> huh? <laughs> he doesn't have to tarry long <laughs> for everybody in this room to experience death. And, and, and the Bible said it's appointed unto man once, one time, to die. The second death has no power over us who are redeemed. Amen. Glory to God. And... Uh, If you die in faith, you are the redeemed and you die right. I I hadn't done it yet. (laughs) But I can see from the scripture, uh, it does not have to be a bad thing at all. You just slip out of your body and you go to be with Jesus. You remember Stephen? They were stoning him. Big rocks are hitting him and lacerating his skin and giving him concussions and breaking his bones. He's talking like he don't even feel it. He looks, he looks up and says, I see Jesus. It's Jesus right there. I see it. And next thing you know, he's out of there. He's out of there. Listen to these. The Bible said concerning Abraham. These are the days of the years of Abraham's life. He lived a hundred, three score, and fifteen years. Are you the seed of Abraham? Yes. <laughs> Abraham gave up the ghost. And he died in a good old age, an old man and full of years, and he was gathered to his people. That's dying right. You've been there, you've done it 20 times. You've seen it all, you've done it all, you've run your race, you've finished your course, it's time to go. Everybody awake, are you? Hmm? Listen to uh, Isaac. The days of Isaac were a hundred and fourscore years. Isaac gave up the ghost and died and was gathered to his people. Now notice that, gathered to his people. That means you're going to see your people. Right? All your folks that have already gone on to be with the Lord, I believe they're going to meet you. I know uh, uh, when Brother Hagen, uh, Kenneth Hagen, my father in the faith, went home to be with the Lord. Some folk that, uh, some ladies that prayed for him a lot uh, were, were praying during that time. And one of them shared with another, said you know, that they saw something. When he went, they said they saw, it looked like a, a sea uh, that was just completely peaceful. And there were all these people that were on the, uh, the shore of it. And there was something coming, some kind of vessel coming. And they were saying, they were whispering to each other, Brother Hagin's coming. 
Brother Hagin's coming. And some of them said, yeah, make way and let the family up to the front. <laughs> and the family came up. And went, well, that's just right, isn't it? That's just right. Your loved ones will meet you. I believe it. And uh, you know something interesting? I don't know if you thought about this or not. You got family that are, are 10 and 100 generations back. You never met. You don't even know you got them. They know about you. And some of them you're really going to like. They've been keeping up with you. They know what you're doing. And they're excited for you to come and to, to get to know you and get to meet you. And of course, all of, the, all of them's family. Right? This is not imaginary. This is real. I said, this is real. In Genesis 49, it said, Jacob made an end of commanding his sons. And he gathered up his feet into the bed and yielded up the ghost and was gathered to his people. He called his sons. He said, "Uh, dad is getting ready to go. Y'all come. They all came. He talked to them. He gave them some final advice for life. Then the Spirit of the Lord came on him. He started prophesying to them what would happen to him in the days uh, to come after he's gone. And then he got through and he said, well, boys, that's it. <laughs> he pulled his feet up in the bed, you know, and uh, the, the Bible said gave up the ghost. That The word ghost is spirit. And the same word translated spirit is translated breath. And have you noticed when the spirit leaves, you quit breathing. (laughs) So your breath is connected to your spirit. The spirit of God, uh, Jesus said, is like wind. You don't know where the wind comes from. You don't know where you you feel it. And somebody said, well, I felt the wind. No, you didn't. You felt the air. What's pushing it? What's behind it? That's spirit. You breathe in, you breathe out. Go ahead and blow on your hand. You felt the air. What pushed it out? What's behind it that pushed it out is spirit. And that's why as long as your spirit's in this body, there's something to pull the air in and push it out. <laughs> when you leave, when you leave your body, it's just like pulling your foot out of a boot. Or it's just like pulling your hand out of a glove. You come out of your body. Your body's dead. But you're not dead. I said you're not dead. And you go up or you go down. If you're born again. You know the Lord you go up. Oh thank you Lord. (laughs) And it's nothing to fear. For the child of God. It's glory. I said it's glory. Somebody say glory. Glory. Uh, In Luke, that's what Jesus did on the cross. He said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And these things having said, the, the, the Young's literal translation says, He breathed forth the spirit. He went, and he came out of his body. And he was gone. Turn to Philippians, please. First chapter. We're saying that death itself is not a blessing. Death itself 
doesn't please God, it's not of God. Death is actually the enemy of God. Did you see that in 1 Corinthians 15? 26. Death is the enemy of God. And yet, you can glorify God in the way you go. In the way you deal with it. Uh, Brother Hagin said this, that, that stuck with me. He said, if the Lord tarries his coming, and you live out your days, all of us must go through the... Uh, the gate of death, the gates of death. He said, but you don't have to go through the jaws of death. Did you hear that? The Lord tarries is coming, you live out your days, you will go through the gates of death, but that doesn't mean you've got to go through the jaws of death. What, what is he saying? You don't have to go with five diseases, right. delirious with pain medication. Are you listening? Out of your head. Don't even know what you do. You don't have to go like that. That's not the death of the righteous. It belongs to the child of God. Some people try to look wise and go, well, if you never got sick, how would you ever die? (laughs) That's not a legitimate question. That shows you don't understand what you are. You are a spirit. That's like saying, if I pull my hand out of the glove, how will we make that glove stop moving? (laughs) It's not a problem. Because the li- all movement in life in the glove was because the hand was in there. Right. <laughs> right? And if you leave your body, you won't have to, you won't even have to have a heart attack. You won't have to have anything. If you leave your body, it'll just fall. I think a number of uh, children of God have died. They left their body and hardly even knew they died. They were here one minute. Next thing they know, they were in glory. And they thought, wow. (laughs) Glory to God. And one thing I'm sure they noticed is no aches, no pains, no discomfort at all, no off feelings, no emotional, nothing. All that's gone. All that's gone. I've heard people talk about that, uh, you know, there, there's a bunch of people that have died and come back. A bunch of them. And some of them weren't believers at all. Till they did. <laughs> they are now. <laughs> Remember one lady, she, she died and come out of her body. She saw them in the operating room working on her. And she, she was taken away and saw some things. She said she was in, uh, in the music business. And, of course, you know, that was her thing. She said she had never heard music like that. She had never heard tones like that. It was just every, everything else she had heard before was muted and distorted, and she didn't know it. And she said the colors the colors. You, you didn't know it, but everything you'd ever seen was blurry and dull. Of course, if that's all you've ever seen, how would you know? You wouldn't know the difference. But the child of God's going to find out. I said the child of God is going to find out. One of the men that uh, was uh, one of Brother Oral Roberts' right-hand men, uh, he fell and, and died suddenly. They rushed him to the hospital and they told him, you know, they told his wife, he, he's gone. And 
Man, his wife got up in the bed and said, no, you don't. <laughs> no, you come back. She called his name. You come back. And he did. <laughs> and he looked at her and said, why did you do that? Why? Why did you do that? <laughs> he said, if I die again, don't, don't do it. Don't do it. Well, he, he did. He lived for quite a while longer. The next time he died, she didn't do it. <laughs> but one of the things that he said in his younger days, he was older, and in his younger days, he was quite the athlete. And among other things, he could really run. But he had gotten older and had some problems with his body. And, of course, that was uh, memories. about. But he said he didn't know where he was. But he was in this beautiful, beautiful field and this little road. And there was this fence. And he just felt like running. And he said he started running. And then he, he ran as fast as he'd ever run in his life. And then he thought, I'm not even trying. So then he went ahead and ran. <laughs> he said the post on the fence were going. Shoo, 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 shoo. He said he was flying, man. And he thought, glory to God, this is the running I always wanted to do. And then he heard his wife said, come back. <laughs> How many believe God is real. Heaven is real. There's a natural realm. There is a spirit realm. You are a spirit being. You live in that body. You're looking at me right now through those two windows we call eyes, but you're not just a body and you're not just a brain. You're a spirit. And even though you lose your body, your body dies and they bury it and it decomposes, that's not you. You'll be somewhere else. Did you hear me? You'll be somewhere else. And the child of God will be in glory. Are you looking forward to that? Yes. You ought to be. You ought not be afraid of dying. You ought to be looking forward to it. In Philippians 1, did you see this? Philippians 1. Paul had already been in the ministry for years. He had already been through a lot in his time. You remember the Bible talks about he, he lists off in uh, 2 Corinthians, I guess it is, some of the stuff he'd been through. Shipwrecked, beat, betrayed, all kind of stuff. And so in Philippians 1, he says this in verse 19. He said, uh, I know that this shall turn to my salvation through your prayer and the uh, supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, according to my earnest expectation and my hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but that with all boldness as always, so now so Christ shall be magnified in my body, whether it be by life or by death, that Christ will be magnified, uh, he'll be glorified, whether I'm living or I'm dying. Now dying doesn't in and of itself glorify God any more than just because somebody is living they're glorifying God but you can glorify God in life can't you and you can also glorify God when you die and the way you go 
He said, verse 21, for to me to live is Christ. And to die, everything's over. To die is the end. Blackness. Lights out. That's it. No, that wouldn't be gain. What is gain? Gain means a whole nother level. Right? Gain means bigger and better and greater. Right? Elsewise, if anything was better, you, you wouldn't be gaining by leaving. If anything was better here, you wouldn't be gaining by leaving and going there. But there's nothing here that's better than there. Nothing. So when you leave, you don't lose anything. Except wrinkles and headaches and pain. Old age and mully grubs and deficiencies and defects. and Huh? The curse and devils and crazy people. You lose all that. But everything else is 100% gain. 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 Aren't you glad you're a child of God? He said, for if I live in the flesh, this is the fruit of my labor. I get fruit and I get reward if I stay and keep working. That is the one good thing. And how many know that even if you live a long time, it won't be long. You'll be out of here soon enough. You ought to stay and do everything you're supposed to do. That's right. right? Don't leave early. Don't leave early when you can fight and stand and stay some more. Yeah. And finish your race. Because if you do, a bunch of us liable to show up on your doorstep later and say, hey, yeah. what was the idea of leaving before your work was done? Because we had to do ours and yours too. Yeah. What's the deal? <laughs> Now, we probably won't have a falling out over it, but, but we may want you to explain to us. <laughs> Isn't it true? The harvest is great, and the laborers are what? Don't we need everybody? Everybody running their whole race, not leaving early, not leaving things undone. Everybody running their entire race, finishing their entire course. Hmm? And then... When you're old, biblically old, ancient of days. (laughs) I mean, you so old, the old people call you old. Right? You old, old, full of days, satisfied, done it all. Been there and seen it and wrote a book about it. (laughs) Right? Now. The Lord says, so you get up one morning, and the Lord says, you can come home. And you go, oh, Lord, yes, <laughs> yes. Let me tell everybody bye. And you do like Jacob. You tell everybody bye. And maybe pray over them, speak over them, prophesy over your kids. Then pull your feet up in the bed and said, see you. <laughs> see you soon. And just leave, just leave. Just slip out of your body. This is not a fairy tale. This is reality. These are Bible verses. This is available. This belongs to. This is part of what Jesus bought and paid for. He said. 
To me to live is Christ, to die is gain. If I live in the flesh, it's the fruit of my labor. Yet what I shall choose, I wot not. We must have a choice in this, mustn't we? For I'm in a strait betwixt two, having a desire to depart and to be with Christ, which is what? Not just better, but far better. It's far better to go and be with Christ than to be here. Nevertheless, to abide in the flesh is more needful for you. He said, you need help. You still need a lot of help. And so I got this confidence that I'm going to abide, I'm going to stay, and I'm going to continue with you for your furtherance and your joy of faith. That is unselfish, isn't it? That's a real man of God. He's been through it all. He's been beat. He's been whipped. He's been shipwrecked. He's dealt with devils and all kind of stuff. And he's he's thinking about going home, isn't he? And he said, you know, I've been thinking about it, and it is all gain, and it is so much far better than being here, and I just don't know which one I'm going to choose. I'm really thinking about it, and then I get to looking at you, and I think, you need some help. And so I'm going to stay a while longer and help you out. (laughs) Can you see this? Stand up on your feet, everybody. It's not the death that glorifies God. It's redemption. It's His peace. It's His joy in knowing what's happening afterwards. It's not the sickness that glorifies God. It's the healing. Right? It's not the sin that glorifies God. It's being forgiven and cleansed. Right? It's not defeat. It's not failure. People have twisted these things. And they've tried to say that God was glorified in, in their sin and failure, in their disease. And no, 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 no. That's all works of the enemy cannot glorify God. But in the midst of a bad and a dark thing, you can call on him and he'll deliver you and heal you and bring you out. And that glorifies God. Just close your eyes. Lift up your hands before the Lord. Lord, we praise you. We give you glory. Said out loud, Lord, get glory to yourself. In my spirit, in my body, in my life, it belongs to you. Get glory to yourself in me. Hallelujah. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.